بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Quran as a source of guidance and one of the attributes of the Quran that sets it apart from the other books even the other heavenly books in the current forms is that there are no contradictions in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has even made this challenge in the Quran afala yatadabbaruna alquran do you not ponder and reflect over the Quran walau kana min indi ghayrillah if this book had come from anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lawajadu fihi ikhtilafan kathira then you would have found a lot of contradictions if the Quran had come from anyone besides Allah, there would have been contradictions. Even the heavenly scriptures like the Torah and Zabur and Injil, which did come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but were corrupted by the human beings, they have many contradictions. And those who specialize in the Bible, uh, and uh, they uh, have studied the Bible in depth, they are well known, they have pointed out all of those contradictions. Mawlana Rahmatullah Kirani Rahmatullah has written a book is Harul Haq, uh, which is uh, an amazing work that dissects the Bible and shows all of the contradictions that are in it. That it was the main source of information where Ahmad Didat, uh, he got his information from, he studied that book. And then his student, Zakir Naik, has continued that uh, legacy. So all of these differences in the Bible, they prove very... Um, very simply they they make the case that the bible cannot be in its current form the revealed word of god rather uh, it has definitely changed over time allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in the quran they were given the responsibility the scholars of the jews and the and the christians to protect the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they did not fulfill the right of the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Whereas with respect to the Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala says, inna wa inna lahu We have revealed the Qur'an as a source of uh, dhikr and reminder for the believers. Wa inna lahu and we have taken upon ourselves uh, the responsibility of protecting it, of preserving it. So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has preserved the Qur'an and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has kept it free from all contradictions whereas all of the other books are filled with contradictions. And one thing that uh, Allah Ta'ala says about not having contradictions is Allah Ta'ala puts it contingent to making tadabbur and tafakkur. Upon reflecting, Quran, do you not reflect and ponder over the Quran? If you ponder and reflect, you'll find that there are no contradictions. However, if you do not ponder and do not reflect and just read the translation, without thinking without contemplating 
then a person might reach the wrong conclusion that they are contradictions because they might be apparently contradictory things. However, if a person studies through a master of tafsir and studies under the guidance of a scholar and, and through the proper channels, and uh, and uh, then a person will realize that there are no contradictions. One is a such example I would like to share tonight. So, there are many ayahs in the Quran uh, that talk about striving in the path of Allah, right? Struggling for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, striving, struggling, sacrifice, effort, mujahada. So many ayahs regarding this. For example, Allah Taala says. Those who strive in our path, we will guide them towards us. Right? Those who strive in the path of Allah, Allah will guide them. Allah's promise of guidance is for them. Okay, that's one ayah. Another ayah, Allah Ta'ala says, And that you strive in the path of Allah with your lives and with your wealth. So again, Allah Ta'ala is talking about striving making effort and we see in the hadith of Rasulullah as well a lot of emphasis for the struggle for the deen so these ayat and these hadith are on one side we can continue giving examples all night but the point is made on the other side we have uh, ayat wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends ease for you and does not intend difficulty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants things to be easy. Not hard. He wants it to be easy for you. Likewise, Allah ta'ala says, مَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجِ Allah ta'ala has not, sent down, has not sent down this deen to put your life in difficulty, but rather for your ease, for your comfort. So, if someone compares the both of these ayat, and uh, the person could become confused that are you talking about struggle and sacrifice or are you talking about ease and comfort right you make up your mind what is going on you're talking about two contradictory things here na'udhu billah so how do we resolve this apparent contradiction the way you can resolve it is we look at the seerah of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that of the sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'in and we find in their life the way to resolve this apparent conflict and the resolution is very simple that every single individual including the Nabi Wasallam himself with no exception he was not excluded from this way of Allah Ta'ala this system of Allah Ta'ala this system of Allah Ta'ala is known as the Sunnatullah it is known as the Sunnatullah the way of Allah Ta'ala the decree of Allah Ta'ala the system of Allah Ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about his system You will never find the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changing You will never find the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changing The way he has decided That is exactly how it will continue on And it will never change with respect to anyone With no exceptions so in the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that everyone has to go through certain sacrifices and mujahadat in the early stages. And 
after going through the sacrifices and now it depends how close Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants that person to come to him how high his rank will be in the akhirah that is how great his test will be but every single individual has to go through tests and trials in their life and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned about himself ashaddu nasi bala'an al-anbiya thumma al-amthalu fal-amthalu minan nas that the severest trials they came upon the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then those who are next in rank then those who are next in rank and as Rasulullah was the leader of the prophets that is why his test was the greatest right Rasulullah said لَقَدْ أُذِيثُ فِي اللَّهِ وَمَا أُذِيَ مِسْلِ أَحَدْ I have been I have been uh, tortured in the, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that no one has been tortured like me وَلَقَدْ أُخِفْتُ فِي اللَّهِ وَمَا أُخِيفَ مِسْلِ أَحَدْ and I have been threatened for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in such a manner that no one has been threatened like me so Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam underwent so many sacrifices right so this is the system of Allah everyone has to go through different tests we will not be boycotted by our family uh, uh, for three years in a valley of Abu Talib we, we may not be pelted by stones like Rasulullah was in, the, in, in Taif and and we can go on and on we may not have to tie the stones to our bellies uh, to suppress the pangs of hunger like Rasulullah did in the battle of Khandaq and we may not have to get wounded in the battle on our face such that our teeth come out like Rasulullah had to face that shahada of his teeth in the battle of Uhud so much pain so much so many uh, so much uh, torture that he had to face such that he had to leave the city of Makkah and migrate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leave his homeland we may not be forced to leave our homeland why? because our rank is much less than that of Rasulullah but every, we will have our own test we will have our own trials Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said لَتُبْلَوُنَّ فِي أَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ and you will be tested in your wealth you will be tested in your life وَلَتَسْمَعُنَّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُ الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا أَذَنْ كَثِيرًا and you will hear from the disbelievers amongst the polytheists, the mushrikun, as well as the people of the book, the Yehud and the Nasara, you will hear from them hurtful comments, hurtful things. And if you remain patient and you inculcate taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this requires a lot of determination. This is what will be rewarding in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says we will definitely test you with a little bit of fear and hunger and decrease in life and wealth and decrease in fruits and give the glad tidings to those who persevere those who are patient that when they are afflicted by any calamity they say to Allah we belong and to him is our return these are the special people upon whom the mercies from Allah Ta'ala descends and they are the rightly guided ones so this is a period of test and trial so all the ayat that Rasulullah was speaking 
all the ayat that the Quran speaks of and all the hadith that Rasulullah speak about making effort, striving, struggling, they all are pertaining to the first era. And they are all true, they are all applicable, they are all valid, they are not incorrect, they apply to the first era. And once this first era passes, and this era of test and trial passes, then the second era comes. And that is the era when Allah Ta'ala will open up the doors of His mercies upon a person and His pleasure upon the person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant the person his wali, his, his friend, his abid, his dhakir, uh, uh, the one who is mu'min and muttaqi and muhsin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now after having passed through all the tests and trials, Allah ta'ala will open up uh, on his heart and his chest the ulum and the, and the knowledge and the wisdom and, and, and the special sakina and blessings from Allah ta'ala will descend upon him. And this person will be happy with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will be content, will receive satisfaction and happiness, will have risen from the ranks of nafs amara bisood, nafs lawama, and finally nafs mutma'inna. Ya ayatuhan nafsul mutma'inna. That nafs which has been purified of all of the sicknesses and is now pleased with the decree of Allah ta'ala in all conditions, is happy with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. And is radi bi qadi is pleased with the decree of the of the Creator Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and is at a level of happiness and contentment, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will grant uh, this blessing, not only in Jannah but in this very world itself, and all of those ayat that talk about ease, that Allah Taala wants ease for you, Allah Taala wants comfort for you. Yurid Allah bi kumul yusra. The purpose of the Deen is not. Allah does not want to put difficulty in your deen it is regarding the second phase it is regarding uh, the second part after passing through the tests and trials and uh, we can see in the noble life of Rasulullah a stark difference between the first era and the second era in the first era he had undergone so many sacrifices Every single day was a new page of torture, of of, of 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 attacks by his enemies. Allahu Akbar. For example, any any page from those early days you pick up from a Sira book, you will just find the same story repeating itself over and over again. Sometimes being attacked emotionally, physically, verbally, through his family, um, his loved ones, his near ones would be attacked, and he was just facing it head on. One scene from that er- early era, as an example, we can uh, mention is the fact that Rasulullah one time was performing salah by the Kaaba. And during his salah, he ended up going into sajda. And Abu Jahal, billah, may he receive from Allah what he deserves, he wanted to have some fun and he wanted to have some enjoyment. Astaghfirullah. So he actually recruited people. He made tashkil and he started asking people, Who is ready to go and collect the intestines of the camel that has been slaughtered in such part of the city? It was a camel that was slaughtered and they have the meat, they were eating it. But the intestines which are filled with the filth and the excreta of the animal is lying there. Oh, we need a couple of people to volunteer 
to go and pick it up. And then let us bring it and place it on the neck of Rasulullah on his head, on his back of his head, on his, uh, on his shoulders, and let's strangle him with it. We'll have some fun as he is in sajda. Na'udhu billah. So this was his uh, plan. And Rasulullah imagine is in sajda by the Kaaba. And they threw the intestines of the, of the camel on top of him and it almost choked him to death. And they were filled with filth. So this is such a terrible scene. On one side, we find it is the Rasul of Allah, the best of his creation. And he is performing salah, which is the best form of ibadah. And within salah, he is in the best position, which is the position of sajda. أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ حِينَ يَكُونُ سَاجِدًا The closest a person can be to Allah Ta'ala is when the banda, when the slave is in sajda in salah. In the holiest place in the world, right by the Kaaba al-Musharrafa, زَادَهَ اللَّهُ شَرَفَ Right in front of the Kaaba, the blessed Kaaba, the blessed Nabi, in the blessed Salah, in the blessed Sajda, every single thing is all accumulated together. It is perhaps the best position uh, the best person could be in. Yet, uh, he had to undergo such a severe trial that he almost choked by the intestines of the camel. And the Mushikin had a hearty laugh, and they were enjoying it. They were having merriment and they were uh, and they were enjoying the scene. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was in so much pain. So the question comes that Ain Allah, where is Allah? How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tolerate this? And how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this to happen? And the answer is very simple that as we discussed, there are two phases. The first phase is the phase of tarbiyah and ibtila and test. So Rasulullah Sallallahu was going through the testing phase. Even he was not exempted from the system of Allah, the Sunnatullah. So he went through that trial and he continued to be patient. He did not give up, even though anyone else in his position would have given up long ago. He was a mountain of steadfastness, of istiqama, uh, of uh, uh, of strength. That he continued, he persevered. Subhanallah. And you flip a few pages forward in a Sira book, and you will come upon the Madinan phase. The phase when Rasulullah was in Medina Munawwara. And here you have uh, a completely different scene. Rasulullah is being taken care of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is being, uh, and the help of Allah ta'ala is with Rasulullah apparent. The victories are coming one after the other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after the Fatih Khaybar, after the Fatih, uh, when Allah ta'ala revealed Surah Al Fatih, in the sixth year of Hijrah, after that, Subhanallah, it was the victory of Makkah in the eighth year, Fatih Makkah, and then the Battle of Hunain, and the wealth that started pouring into Medina. It happened during the lifetime of Rasulullah in the later days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unified the entire Arabian Peninsula under his banner and made him the undisputed leader of the Arabian Peninsula. Allah ta'ala gave him honor and izzah. So, one example of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intervenes on behalf of Rasulullah and teaches the Ummah to respect him and fulfill his rights is when the Banu Tamim came. The Banu Tamim were Bedouins from Central Arabia, from the Najd province. And they were not city dwellers. They were very rough Bedouins. And they did not live in the city, nor did they have the opportunity 
to stay in the company of Rasulullah وسلم, and learn the mannerisms and etiquettes. Uh, so they were very straightforward, rough people. And they came into Medina, into Masjid al-Nabwi, and they asked, Man minkum Muhammad, who is Muhammad here? Sallallahu The Sahaba said that, you know, he just went into the room next door, into his compartment, which are known as the Hujurat, the compartments of Rasulullah Sallallahu He went to fulfill some personal need, take care of something. He will be out shortly. But these people... Uh, they came and they started banging on his door very loudly and they said Ya Muhammad Ya Muhammad Ukhruj ilayna O Muhammad come out and fulfill our need take care of what we have uh, uh, the matter we have so Rasulullah himself was so uh, shy of a person that he would never uh, get upset for himself and he got upset if he ever got upset on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he never got upset for his own sake. And uh, he felt shy in telling people. Imagine a scenario where he gave the Walima invitation to Sahaba when he got married to uh, it was um, Zainab radiallahu anha. There are two Zainab, Zainab bint Huzayma and Zainab bint Jahash. This was the marriage of Zainab bint Jahash radiallahu ta'ala anha, his cousin. فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا وَطَرًا زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا Allah Ta'ala had performed the marriage in Surah Al-Ahzab the ayat is there Allah had married her to him and when he had the walima then uh, the guests they, they ate the walima the sahaba are the guests who else are going to be the guests and uh, what happened is these sahaba in particular they did not realize that Nabi Wasallam was tired and uh, wanted to have some privacy and rest they kept on talking and talking after the meal was over and imagine Rasulullah is so shy that he could not give any indication that, okay, uh, the party is over, can we move on? He could not say that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to send the revelation upon him. And this became immortalized in the Quran. The story is there in Surah Al Ahzab. Um, when you finish eating, then you should get up and depart. And do not continue to sit and talk. This is causing pain to my Nabi. But he is too shy to say anything to you. He is too shy to complain about how he is being harmed and how he is being, uh, how he is being hurt by this. But Allah Ta'ala on the other hand is not embarrassed to say the truth. So Allah is going to spill it out as it is, spell it out as it is and clarify it and frankly mention that this is not acceptable. So likewise, in the surah that I wanted to share with you uh, tonight, is in Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, revealed the ayat, Ya ayuhal ladhina amanu, O those who believe, la tunqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasooli, do not proceed ahead of Allah and His Rasool, wattaqullah, and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah samirun alim, Verily, Allah is all-hearing, all-knowing. Do not proceed ahead of Allah and His Rasul. So no one can proceed ahead of Allah. That's physically impossible. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put His name there just to show that I am on the side of my Nabi. And if you are going to hurt my Nabi, you are going to upset me as well. If you are going to upset my Nabi, you are going to upset me. If you are going to uh, um, uh, cause him pain, then you have to deal with me because I am on his side. That's why Allah Ta'ala put his name there. 
Do not go ahead of Allah's uh, Rasul is what is the intention. We cannot go ahead of Allah. And going ahead of Rasulullah includes in his lifetime walking ahead of him, speaking louder than him, uh, not waiting for him to respond and, and to continue speaking, um, eating before he eats, uh, getting up before he gets up, sitting down before he sits down. Any way to go ahead of him in, in statement, in action, in deed, in, in any form, that would be all prohibited. Um, if there is a dining session, no one should start eating before him. If he is walking, no one should overtake him. Um, unless he himself sends someone forward, of course, that would be an exception. Do not go ahead of Allah and Rasul. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayuhalladheena amanu, O those who believe, La tarfa'u aswatakum, do not raise your voices, fawqa sawtin nabi, over the voice of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Don't speak louder than him. So this, when this command came, then the Sahaba radiallahu anhum started addressing Rasulullah in low tones, almost whispering to him. Do not raise your voices in front of the voice of Rasulullah above the voice of Rasulullah And don't call out to him loudly as you call out unto each other otherwise all of your good deeds will be cancelled out will be rendered null and void will be cancelled and you will not even perceive the extent of your loss such a severe penalty the most severe penalty possible is that all of the good deeds that a person may have accomplished over his entire life will all be cancelled out if he disrespects Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. till today as well even though Rasulullah is, is physically not amongst us, yet disrespect of Rasulullah disrespect of the sunnah of Rasulullah uh, is considered kufr and will take a person out of the fold of Islam. If a person is not able to perform the sunnah and is uh, negligent in that regard, he can make istighfar and make tawbah, seek forgiveness from Allah, ask Allah Ta'ala for tawfiq, but that it would not expel him of course from the full Islam however openly mocking the sunnah or disrespecting the sunnah uh, is very dangerous and can lead a person to f- leave the fold of Islam that is why we have to be very careful we should never mock any sunnah practice and when this ayah was revealed Sayyidina Abu Bakr said by Allah O Messenger of Allah from now till my last breath I will speak to you as if someone is whispering. Sayyidina Umar anhu, he himself started lowering his voice such that Nabi Sallallahu had to ask him, please repeat what you are saying so I, he could understand. Thabit ibn Qais anhu, um, he naturally had a very loud voice when he heard this ayah. He feared that his good deeds would be rendered void and he started weeping and he lowered his voice. So, this is the etiquette that Allah Ta'ala is teaching in the Quran to the Sahaba how to deal with Rasulullah and then Allah Ta'ala says إِنَّ Verily those people who lower their voices in the presence of Rasulullah they are the people that Allah has tested their hearts that they are filled with fear of Allah they have forgiveness from Allah and a great reward 
hujurat. On the other hand, those who are calling out to you loudly from behind the compartments, they're saying, come out, Muhammad, come out, na'udhu billah. Aktharuhum la yaqilun. Majority of them, they do not have understanding. They don't know that they're hurting you. They just are unaware. وَلَوْ أَدْنَهُمْ صَبَرُوا And if they would be patient حَتَّى تَخْرُجَ إِلَيْهِمْ Until you came out of your own accord لَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ It would have been better for them وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ رَحِيمٌ And Allah is the forgiving, the merciful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear that those who are calling Rasulullah sallam from outside they do not understand. Allah ta'ala gives an excuse on their behalf لَا يَعْقِلُونَ and Allah Ta'ala says, if they come out after you, if they waited until you came out, it would have been better. Wallahu Rahim means Allah is ready to forgive them. Because they came with sincere talab, with desire to learn. They did not come with the intention to harass, but they ended up causing pain because they were unaware. In fact, the scholars under the tafsir of this ayah mentioned, Qazi Abu Bakr ibn Arabi mentions that respect for Rasulullah after he has left us is just as compulsory as it was during his lifetime. So, this has an effect in two different rulings. One is, in front of the grave of Rasulullah we should not say, say salam loudly, we should not even forget about speaking, but even salam we should say softly. Of course, speaking, we should not speak loudly in front of the grave of Rasulullah. These ayat from Surah Al-Hajrat are written on boards on top of his grave on the top in calligraphy. These same ayats are written there as a reminder. Unfortunately, we cannot read the calligraphy and we cannot appreciate the reminder, but it is there on the in golden lettering on the green background and these ayats are inscribed on the on top of the roda of Rasulullah sallallahu So that is one place where these ayats still apply. A second place is when, when the ahadith of Rasulullah are being recited the blessed words of Rasulullah are being taught then it is compulsory to listen to them silently and not to speak loudly just like we should listen to the words of Allah Ta'ala when the Quran is being recited um, because this is the majlis of the ahadith of Rasulullah this is the closest we could be to a majlis of Rasulullah himself Allah Akbar. The point here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not come to the aid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the initial stage and allowed the mushrikeen to hurt him so badly and laugh and enjoy and Nabi sallallahu was literally choking to death while in sajda. Allah ta'ala tolerated that. And in the second phase, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not tolerate it. Even when these Bedouins came, they did not come with intention to attack, to cause pain, to hurt or kill. They came with intention to learn. They were seeking knowledge. But they did not know the etiquettes and manners. And this infringement and this mistake that they, uh, upon the rights of Rasulullah this violation is far less than the violation of the mushrikeen who intentionally were trying to cause him pain. In the first scenario, Allah did not intervene. In the second scenario, Allah Ta'ala intervened with full force and revealed these ayat in the Quran with severe penalties and warnings for disrespecting Rasulullah So the question is, what changed? Why did the behavior from Allah Ta'ala change? And the answer is very simple. The first stage is the stage of tarbiyah and the second stage is the stage of, of, of victory and futuhat 
and, and help from Allah Ta'ala Nusra of Allah Ta'ala so when we ponder and reflect over our own lives we will have to go through these phases all of us will have to undergo struggles and mujahada and once we pass through that phase Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala we hope with afiyah with his help and with his guidance then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will open up the doors of his fadl upon us and we will begin to enjoy our earthly life itself which will become a prelude to the Jannah in the Akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to go through our individual struggles and come through this first phase so we can enjoy the second phase of Fuyud from Allah ta'ala. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.